Hello everybody, welcome back to another brand new episode of The Casual Criminalist. This one, La Matavietas, Mexico City's old lady serial killer. Did you like how I just threw the Spanish pronunciation on there? I'm sure I did a terrible job. Jen, who uh, produces this episode, speaks Spanish. So Jen, I, I'm sorry in advance. Also, I have to apologize to Jen twice and apologize to you and myself because... Uh, normally, Callum writes me a script on this channel. I've never read it before, and we go on a little bit of an exploration together. But unfortunately, I've already recorded this episode, and then I, uh, Jen wrote to me and be like, Simon, it sounds like the uh, the audio um, is just coming from the camera. Did you put on your, did you use your big boy mic? This, this, this big thing that makes me actually sound nice. And uh, I was like, no, I didn't. <laughs> So she's like, well, you can either put out an episode that sounds shite or you can record it again. So here I am recording it again. I'm sorry, Spanish people. I don't mean to be offensive. I'm just at languages. Uh, let's just jump in um, because it's time to not be, you know, funny and laughing. It's time to talk about uh, an old lady killer. Brilliant. Thanks. Callum writes me a script. I read it. Jen adds some graphics and music and makes it uh, sound better than it does without that stuff. So let's go. The Serial Killer Hall of Fame is generally speaking Bit of a boys club. Female serial killers do exist, but overall the gender gap stands are pretty stark. Women only account for somewhere between 10 and 16% of all cases. Well, honestly, look guys, it's 2021 and that sounds like something we need to fix. That sounds like something that, you know, discrimination should not be a thing, even at the highest levels of crime. So of course, I am joking. So of course, the question on everyone's mind is, how can we get more young women and girls interested in murder? Now I'm like, oh, I would normally say like Callum and I, same age. But now I'm just wondering if I remembered Callum's joke from the last reading and subconsciously stole it. <laughs> Sorry, Callum. It all begins, this one, I did record this like originally two weeks ago, I think. Production is, you know, we, we record quite far ahead, generally. It all begins with solid role models, examples of strong women who smashed the glass ceiling with a bloodied hatchet. That's the kind of case we're bringing you today, the story of Juana Barraza, a Mexican wrestler turned murderer, uh, who targeted dozens of helpless elderly ladies in a twisted campaign of revenge. Do you think she's one of these uh, mucha libre, or whatever it's called, um, wrestlers? I actually saw that. I went to Mexico and I saw... Is it Mucha Libre? Is that what you call it? The wrestling with the masks and stuff? I don't really like wrestling in general, so I didn't really like it. But it was interesting to see. Okay, perhaps role model isn't the best angle here, but Barraza's gender did play a crucial part in her case, partly because she never matched the standard stereotype of a serial killer, so she was able to rack up an eye-watering body count over a three-year spree, while the authorities were left chasing their tails. El Matavietas on November the 25th, 2002, someone knocked on the door of Maria de la Luz Gonzalez Anaya's apartment in Mexico City. Spanish is like also, uh, you know, it's hard for me to pronounce being, well, not Spanish and uh, or Spanish speaking, I should say. And also then you kind of really long names as well. So it's like not only, you know, if it was just Simon <laughs> Whistler, it'd be like, all right, well, at least I just butchered two, two bits. But with this, there are one, two, three, four, five, six parts to her name for me to ruin 
I'm sorry, Maria. Uh, the 64-year-old opened it just to crack to see who was there. A social worker from the local council here to help her fill, up forms, fill out forms for financial aid. After the visitor flashed their government ID card, Maria invited them into her home. The next day, the old woman's body was found on the floor of her living room. She had been beaten, then strangled to death barehanded. When the police arrived, they found the apartment looted and little trace of the culprit beyond a few fingerprints. Newspapers speculated that this was the latest in a long line of killings by the same culprit, nicknamed El Matavietas, the Old Lady Killer. However, the police asserted that this evil pensioner hunter was a myth conjured up by media sensation. Oh, police. The bodies would beg to differ. Again, it's like, police. I don't like the fact that I end up ragging on the police so much in The Casual Criminalist because often they end up catching the dudes and they go to prison for a really long time and it's like, hey, good job. But it seems in the meantime like a lot of people get killed and it's often just because it's like, nah, it's not real, there's no serial killer. And maybe I'm a bit harsh. I am probably a bit harsh because, I don't know, I've not been a policeman. I'm sure it's quite difficult. <laughs> While the overactive imaginations of journalists may have been to blame up until now, that was all about to change. Nobody knew it at the time, but the killing of little old Maria was the first in a long line of murders by a new, genuine serial killer who would become one of the worst the city had ever seen. And already, I'm revealing how poor my memory is. Because <laughs> here I am making fun, and I'm like, ah, oh, the police thought it was just made up, and it turns out it was made up. But worst, I don't remember that from reading this the first time round, because if I did, I, uh, I wouldn't have said that because it makes me look a bit dim. <laughs> Bodies piling up. The next person to fall prey was 84-year-old Guillermina Leon Oropesa. Uh, on March the 2nd, 2003, she was strangled just like the first victim. The same happens with Maria Guadalupe Aguilar Cortina, 84, in July. Then, on October the 9th, Maria Guadalupe de la Vega Morales was found tied to a chair. Both of her arms were fractured, and she had been strangled to death. Judging from the list of victims, about 95% of elderly Mexican ladies are called Maria, as with the next one, Maria del Carmen Munoz Cote de Galvan. Really? You had to have, like, eight names? Seven names? It's a lot of names. But at least the, the, the main one, Maria, is easy enough to pronounce. Jen's probably thinking, Simon, it's Maria. Or something. It's not Italian, but you know what I mean. Less than two weeks later, 85-year-old Lucretia Elsa Calvo Maraquin met a similar end, killed by a phone power cord. The frequency of the killings was shocking, and each new case offered little in the way of fresh evidence. The likelihood of El Matavietas being a figment of some reporters' imaginations was growing extremely slim. The modus operandi was too similar in each case. Elderly victims tricked into letting a stranger into their homes, and they were strangled to death and then robbed. Now and then, fingerprints would turn up that linked the cases together, and slowly the police started to realize that stubbornly denying the existence of the killer was a mistake. Some claimed that even though the authorities already suspected a serial killer was at large, political infighting between the city council and federal government led them to keep the information under wraps. Oh, brilliant. It's really good when politics gets involved in anything. <laughs> Uh, after two more victims met their end in the final months of 2003, the police managed to gather some eyewitness reports. Some people had seen a potential suspect hanging around the area on the day of the crimes. They were dressed in a female nurse's uniform. Sketch artists produced a pair of portraits depicting a stern-faced individual, one distinctly masculine and the other with softer features. These were released to the public with the individual listed as only a person of interest so as not to cause a panic. I mean, I don't, I don't want to be like, panic, there should sometimes be panic. But in this case, 
there is someone like Rodri around the city murdering old people in quick succession. I feel like a little bit of panicking, at least among the old elderly people who live alone, would be due. You know, maybe they'd not let people into their homes with, you know, just in general. That'd be nice. A little bit of panic. Would it go amiss here? Would be Simon's opinion. It wasn't until the beginning of 2004 that Bernardo Batiz, the city's Justice Department chief, officially announced that El Mataviatus was very much real. The media went into an absolute frenzy, but that did little to discourage the old lady killer from doing what they did best. They committed a staggering 14 more murders in 2004. When I, I've, I forgot how rapid this was, and when I said, like before, at a fairly brisk pace, 14 murders in a single year? No! 14 murders in addition to... How many more were there? Oh, there's a lot of murders. In all of the cases, the cause of death was strangulation, sometimes by hand, sometimes with a belt, stethoscope, or piece of clothing. Stethoscope seems... Well, there was a woman in the nurse... There was a person, one with harsh features and one with feminine features, in masculine features and soft features, sorry, in the sketches, and then also... Um, Getting strangled with a stethoscope. That feels like more of a clue than what they say at a phone cord. That's a weapon on hand. Stethoscope is like, number of stethoscopes I own. Zero. <laughs> That's what we call in the crime game. A clue. The authorities started distributing pamphlets among the elderly of Mexico City in 2005. They instructed them not to open the door to strangers, especially in the evening, as there's every chance that the murderer might be darkening their doorstep next. I don't think every chance... I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of old ladies in Mexico City, and the vast majority of them are remaining unmurdered. But, like I said, it's good to be aware. It's good to have a little bit of panic. Under growing media pressure, the cops enlisted the help of psychological profilers to paint a picture of the sort of psychopath they might be looking for. The Department of Justice looked at similar historical cases from around the world, like the French case of Thierry Pournon, the monster of Montmartre, and determines their killer was a man with homosexual preferences, a victim of childhood physical abuse, lived surrounded by women. He could have had a grandmother or lived with an elderly person, has resentment to that feminine figure, and possesses great intelligence. Why is it always with the serial killers? We must possess them with great intelligence. He strangled he or she or whoever it is, they, let's use they, um, even though they say man here, but uh, having read this before, I know the end. <laughs> God damn it. I'm trying not to spoil. It's like, okay, we, we they don't need to have great intelligence. Also, victim of childhood physical abuse. Serial killer. Victim of childhood abuse. Shocking. Essentially, not sure who this guy is, but I bet he's gay. They followed a similar line of logic when interpreting the testimony of witnesses. Several who came forward had described the killer as female in clothing and appearance, but with certain masculine qualities. As a result, the cops decided the most likely scenario was that the culprit was dressing as a woman to more easily win the trust of his victims, which played nicely into their Norman Bates-esque psych profile. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I get that only 10 to 16%, wasn't it, of serial killers are women. So it is going to put the blinders on to be favoring towards it's a man. But if you're like, is it more likely it's a man dressed in women's clothes? Or is it more likely that it's a woman dressed in women's clothes who has slightly masculine features? Uh, I'm going to go with the latter. But then again, I've kind of spoiled the ending, haven't I? <laughs> oh, Simon, you big brain. While the rest of their analysis was actually quite accurate, that one fatal assumption would go on to severely undermine the investigation and potentially cost many more old ladies their lives. The Lady of Silence. 
On the evening of June the 29th, 2005, 78-year-old Maria Guadalupe Nunez Almanza heard a knock at the door. The surprise visitor announced themselves as a nurse from C. Vale Community Care Project doing the rounds in the neighborhood. Estla uh, opened the door. There stood Juana Barraza, a middle-aged woman with a clipboard in one hand and a stethoscope around her neck. She was there to offer a health checkup, which might qualify the octogenarian for some government aid. Maria beckoned her inside and settled into an armchair while stern-faced nurse Baranza unpacked her tools from a medical bag. Seconds later, Baranza walked behind the old woman and wrapped the cord of the stethoscope around her neck. She tugged hard, pinning Maria to the chair and pulling down with all her weight for over a minute. She did this until the old woman's limbs stopped flailing. El Matabietas had just claimed her 30th victim. That is up there in the serial killer rankings. I know we talked about Shipman, and like it was one of the first episodes, I think one of the most popular episodes, until we did that Mary Bell episode, the 11-year-old serial killer. People clicked on that. Um, is because... I totally lost my train of thought. I mean, and Shipman had 100 and something victims, 160 victims, maybe, but... I mean, 30 is still up there. Like, don't you become a serial killer? It's three victims, right? Or four? It's 30. It's a lot. It's a lot. Actually, I should really say La Mataviata, since our culprit turned out to actually be a woman after all. Exclamation point. Shocking. Simon ruined it before. Even though the witnesses had correctly identified her gender, the police and press were so fixated on the stereotype of a male serial killer that they made an active effort to explain away the simplest facts. With her latest victim sitting dead in a chair, the 46-year-old murderer ransacked the house before taking off into the night. Gender Theory by this point, she must have thought herself pretty invulnerable. Even though the sketches bore a decent likeness to Barraza, she was very much female, and so nobody ever suspected the middle-aged single mother of four as the culprit. Instead, the police had invented a male, cross-dressing menace out of thin air, and just ran with the idea. Now, it's true that Juana Barranza was tougher-looking than most. She had long been obsessed with Lucha Libre. Ah, was what's Mucha Libre, then? Lucha Libre wrestling. And Tracy, Lucha Libre or Mucha Libre? I really want to... I, I really thought it was Mucha Libre. But I'm going to say that I'm probably wrong and Callum's right because this is often how it goes. One hour later. But, oh, yeah, yeah, my bad. Callum's right. <laughs> so, surprise! And trained to participate in semi-pro events throughout much of her adult life under the stage name La Dama del Silencio, the Lady of Silence. Pictures from those days show the tall, muscly luchador rocking a Dolph Lundgren hairdo, a gloriously retro pink spandex outfit, and a butterfly mask to match. One source reported that during a crime spree, La Dama del Silencio would sometimes be forced to subdue her victims using moves learned in her wrestling career. I'm not sure it takes a flying suplex to defeat an 80-year-old in combat. But okay. Even after retirement, Branza retained a relatively muscular physique and kept her hair cropped around an inch or two short. Police reports tactfully refer to her body type as robust in all of their witness reports. She could still be easily recognized as a woman in day-to-day -day life while remaining androgynous enough that the police could remain fixated on their murderous transvestite theory. So... La Dama del Silencio was free to kill as she pleased. Over the next few months, she racked up a further half-dozen victims, the last of whom she even set fire to afterwards to destroy any evidence. I mean, okay, destroying evidence, like, in the, like, again, casual criminalist, we don't want to be telling people how to do crimes, but destroying evidence, I mean, if you're a criminal, it's going to be, a, you know, it's pretty smart. Clean up after your crimes. But you've already murdered 30-plus people. 
you, you, you didn't wear gloves. Your fingerprints are around the place. <laughs> Why is this like really trying to hide? Never too late to start. The cops continued picking through the wreckage left in the murderous wrestler's wake, but their lethargic investigation failed to turn up any new leads. Then, when the Lady of Silence knocked on the door of a notable academic's mother in September 2005, the investigation gathered a fresh head of steam. That was when Baranza set her sights on wealthy widower Maria del Carmen Camilla Gonzalez Miguel. She was the mother of an influential Mexican criminologist, Luis Gonzalez, whose outrage pushed the police into launching a special task force. Yeah, look. Also, again, casual criminalist, not giving advice to criminals here, but look, if you're going to go out murdering, don't murder the mother of a famous criminologist. It's, you know, just don't. That doesn't seem smart. Capture. The newly formed team launched a new title, Operation Parques y Jardines, Operation Parks and Gardens. Okay. After pinpointing the areas in which the killer was most active, the cops increased patrols in these vicinities. It was also thought the killer made a habit of frequenting city parks to befriend the victims, sometimes by offering to help them with their shopping bags. So the cops hired elderly ladies to hang out in parks with the aim of baiting the serial killer into revealing themselves. I mean, that's a bit of a stretch. Mexico City's really big. I've been. It's very large. When that didn't work, they tried the next best thing, arresting every transvestite and transgender person they could find. Operating on a few haphazard hunches, the task force arrested 49 prostitutes working on the city streets and compared their fingerprints with those found at the crime scenes. This 200 IQ move, <laughs> that is a big brain move, of course was miserably unsuccessful. The cops were ridiculed and condemned by the press. <laughs> And casual criminalist 20 years later, 15 years later? When was this, 2005? No. Yes, 2005. Well, it, I, that's not important. Meanwhile, the Lady of Silence continued her spree. She claimed two further victims in September and October. One was strangled with a pair of tights, the other with a scarf. Then, just like that, she stopped. Juana Barraza went silent for the next three months, leaving the authorities at their wits' end. They issued a new 3D plaster model of their suspect based on more recent testimony, but none of the resulting tips offered any leads. They then took to checking the fingerprints of corpses which came into city morgues, taking a pontoon, taking a punt on the possibility that maybe their elusive serial killer. <laughs> I think. <laughs> Caleb's autocorrect has changed punt on to pontoon. <laughs> I guess there was a typo in there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing that's Ponton, rather than Pontoon. Pontoon would make no sense whatsoever. Uh, on the possibility that maybe their elusive serial killer had just uh, upped and killed themselves. If the Lady of Silence hung up her strangling stethoscope at that point, it's likely she might have gotten away with it for good, but that wasn't to be. Don't they often... I mean, killing themselves seems a bit unlikely. I Normally, I don't they normally jump to... They didn't kill themselves, but they, you know, got caught for some other crime. You know, they were... they there was an assault or a robbery that they got caught on they go to prison and the serial killing stops because the serial killer is in prison for a different crime on january the 25th 2006 a resident of the venustiano carranza district of mexico city returned home to find a suspicious person leaving the house which he shared with his landlady anna maria de los reyes alfaro aged 84. Like the rest of the city, the lodger was now well aware that a serial killer was on the loose, so he got the attention of a passing police patrol while the visitor made a run for it. The cops caught up with the suspicious individual, a heavyset woman dressed in white, and apprehended her. When one of the officers went to check on the old lady, she was already dead. Of course, the woman now being bundled into the back of a police car 
was Juana Barraza. Just like that, with a stroke of dumb luck, two beat police had stumbled into the arrest of the century. Detectives rushed to search the tiny flat of the retired wrestler out in the east of the city. There, they found newspaper clippings from her crimes, especially strange since he was nearly illiterate. Items plundered from the victims and shrines to Jesus Malverde, patron saint of narcos. <laughs> really? There's a patron saint of narcos? And Santa Muerta, a folk Catholic grim reaper popular among death dealers. I just learned more than I ever needed to about uh, patron saints and death. There was no doubt that they had their man. Woman, I mean. Keen to gloss over that particular little mishap, the Justice Department had Baraza pose next to their plaster bust and sketches as if they were hot on a trail the old time. Except they didn't know her gender. Guys! In reality, Baraza had actually been featured on local TV just one week prior to discuss her wrestling career, and not a single person, neither officer or civilian, had recognized her, all because they believed the killer had to be a man. Look, also, what are you doing going on TV discussing your wrestling career if, like, you've been spotted and you're murdering people and there's pictures of you, which, you know, the police aren't going to put it up there if she looks absolutely nothing like the bust. Be like, you are very bold going on national TV. Be like, what are you up to? Why did she do it? As the investigators and public tried to wrap their head around the revelation, everyone was seeking some sort of explanation for what could drive such a mild-mannered woman to murder. After all, this was not the gender-bending, woman-hating psychopath they were promised. To start, let's return to that decisive criminal profile once again for a second. Man, homosexual, abuse victim, resentment towards an elderly female figure. As it turns out, they were at least half right. Born into poverty in 1957 in rural Hidalgo, Baranza was raised by an alcoholic mother and a stepfather. Her father would do almost anything to get a drink, including pimping out her own daughter. Oh my. And that, that is where the abuse makes the murderer. I mean, part of the murderer. When Juana was only 12 years old, her mother reportedly sold it to a man named Jose Lugo in exchange for three beers. What are you doing? At first, Barraza thought it was all some sort of sick joke, but it soon became clear that her mother wasn't coming back. She was reportedly abused by Lugo for four years, enduring two pregnancies, which, depending on the source, both resulted in miscarriages or saw the poor teenager give birth to a son. That is some up shit. The nightmare continued until her uncles finally managed to track her down. All that time, they had been told that their niece ran away <clears throat> with the pedophile by choice. Yeah, yeah, but honestly... Even if she did, she's 12 years old. That is, and I'm sure like this, I'm sure, I don't know, I can't be sure. I imagine there have been situations where that sort of thing has happened, except it's not voluntary. The person is like being manipulated by someone who is their intellectual superior by what, 20 years? Like, what are you up to? That is not voluntary. There is nothing voluntary about that. Uh, the mother, the story her mother told them. Brezza recounted these traumatic memories through a stream of tears in the interrogation room. It was because of this, she explained, that she always held a deep-seated hatred for older women. And obviously, we should feel sorry for her for the childhood she went through and what it made her into. But, you know, people, many, no, I don't want to say many, but, you know, this happens to people. There's tons of people who are abused in their childhood and they don't become serial killers. I'm sure they're, you know, they could suffer in their, they're just, oh, this is such a horrific thing. I don't even know what to say about it. And it's just, yeah, 
a terrible, horrific situation. After Braz's mother died from cirrhosis of the liver, she ran away to Mexico City. She managed to find various odd jobs around town before eventually landing an irregular gig with a wrestling company. She spent much of the 80s and 90s touring around central Mexico with the promotions firm, supplementing her meager performance fees through street peddling and cleaning jobs. Along the way, she accumulated a handful of failed marriages and four children, the oldest of whom was tragically beaten to death during a mugging. To get money to care for her youngest kids, Barraza turned to petty crime in 1995, beginning with shoplifting. The next year, she decided to up her game and start robbing the homes of her least favorite demographic, doddering old women. She enlisted the help of a friend named Araceli Tapia Martinez, and the two of them hatched a plan to dress up as nurses, charm their way into the homes of the lonely old folk, and steal their valuables. What the moonlighting luchador didn't know was that a partner in crime was dating a corrupt police officer at the time, R. Kelly Phipps on Barraza, who found the crooked cop waiting outside after one of her robberies. He demanded 12,000 pesos in exchange for her freedom, and Braz was forced to oblige. Now in the late 1990s, with her finances running low and her wrestling career coming to an end, she could see some pretty desperate times on the horizon. Braz decided to continue her robbery spree solo into the 2000s. Yeah, remember, you know... <laughs> Another pro tip from casual criminalist, if you're a criminal, don't commit crimes with other people. <laughs> like, this robbing people together, like, they can flip on you, they can betray you, all of this stuff, there's no honor among thieves. I don't know, that just, your solo seems, there, especially for like, just stealing shit from people's houses. Why do you need a partner? <laughs> what am I doing? Stop giving crime advice, Simon. <laughs> what is wrong with you? I just sometimes look at it and be like, why? Why? You know, whether I see stupidity in non-criminal world or criminal world it's still stupidity and it feels like it should be pointed out because i don't know i'm a she would prowl around neighborhoods in a nurse's costume looking for likely candidates it wasn't until one of her marks maria de la luz gonzalez anaya made an insulting remark during a robbery we began with during the robbery that we began with back in 2002 the barraza's rage was finally unleashed she saw the old woman as a stand-in for her own abusive mother and decided to get her revenge for all the pain of her childhood this one act of malice snowballed into a three-year-long binge of murderous revenge which turned her into one of the worst serial killers mexico had ever known trial We'll never know the full extent of her crimes for sure, as many of them could only be linked to her through circumstantial evidence. Brazza maintained that she was being used as a scapegoat for most of them, and only ever officially confessed the one in which she was caught red-handed. By the time the case went to trial in 2008, she had been charged with 30 murders. That might sound like a lot, but consider the fact that the final count of her murder potentially lies around a staggering 49 or more, all of the victims over the age of 64. Over the course of the trial, the prosecution painted a portrait of a cold and calculating psychopath, a sadist who preyed on the trusted goodwill of Mexico City's beloved abuelas. Her apparent lack of remorse didn't help her case, nor did the fact that she previously seemed to suggest that she believed she was doing a service to society by clearing out the grannies. That is, you are, that is not looking good. I mean, I'd say that that's crazy, you know, you're a little bit psycho, but you clearly are, because you murdered possibly 49 people. Stop. In the end, Juana Barraza was convicted on 16 counts of murder, mostly only the ones which were backed up by fingerprint evidence. 16 out of 30 was more than enough to call the case a success, netting the old lady killer a whopping 759-year prison sentence. 
wrap up. Let this be a lesson to any aspiring detectives out there. Never begin with a broad assumption. We've seen how the generalizations which the Mexico City police brought to their investigation almost allowed this killer to slip the net entirely. We've seen in this show that serial killers come in almost all shapes, sizes, ages, and genders, and they're sometimes the people you at least expect. As for Juana Barraza, although her life story is truly tragic, it can hardly be seen as justification for such a violent, calculated crime spree. In fact, I don't really think, you know, when you think of things that would be the possible excuse for turning into a psycho killer, I mean, that sort of level of abuse as a child would be up there. But the reality is, there is no excuse for murder. I mean, of course, there are like actual, you know, mentally diagnosed conditions, but then it's not murder, it's probably a lesser degree of killing, um, less degree of homicide, would that be the right word? Um, there's just no excuse for it. No matter what your background is, it's never okay. The Lady of Silence spent years honing her act to prey on some of the most vulnerable in society. Had she not been caught by a stroke of dumb luck, who knows how many more lives she could have taken. If she manages to live long enough behind bars, she's never getting out. 759 years. Juana will automatically be paroled after 50 years served. Oh, Okay, no, she's too old. She was like 40-something. But then the executor herself would be an elderly woman of 100 years old, the very thing she set out to destroy. It's pretty wild you get out, get paroled after 50 years. I mean, I'm what? So, no, I, I, so I'll be 84, 83 when they release me from prison. After my murders. <laughs> That's a long time behind bars. But if, I, if you'd done that, if you'd killed 49 people... The idea that you'd ever get out is kind of disappointing. If she manages to live like that, goddamn that, um, we should cover on this show the, uh, uh, what's it? The name totally escapes me. The terrorist guy who blew up, uh, Lockerbie, the Lockerbie bomber, got let out of prison. He killed like a hundred people. Is it, was it a hundred people? It was, it was dozens, if not hundreds of people. And he got let out of prison. And it's absolutely insane. 259 people killed on Pan Am Flight 103 and that dude got out of prison on like uh he was dying of cancer or something and so they let him go home to his family and I'm like if he was dying tomorrow of cancer I'd, I mean maybe I, I maybe it's just like savage but I'm like no he deserves to die in prison alone in his cell or in a hospital bed in a prison where it's cold and miserable and the idea that he went back to i can't remember which country it was i want to say libya i'm not sure but he lived like another two years crazy crazy dismembered appendices After her conviction, Barraza took on a kind of folkloric status in the culture of Mexico City. She's been the subject of Telenova TV dramas immortalized in catchy folk pop songs like Armandititias, La Matavietas, and featured on all kinds of merchandise. Number two. It's not all doom and gloom in the story of Juana. In 2005, Mexico City's most sensational serial killer found love on the inside. In a special prison ceremony, she tied the knot with a fellow inmate who goes by the name Michelangelo. By all reports, she's very happy with her new life behind bars. I love a nice happy ending. Callum, this is so far from a happy ending. This has been an episode of... It's Casual Criminalist. Very rare to have a happy ending. 
Uh, I do hope you enjoyed today's video or uh, podcast. If you're listening to it as a podcast, if you are, please do leave us a review. If you're listening on, I think, Apple, you can leave a review. If you're listening on Spotify, you can't currently get on it. Spotify, as I always say, if you're watching this on YouTube, hello, please do subscribe. Please do leave a like. Or if you didn't like this episode, there is a dislike button. You are welcome to use it. And thank you for watching.